It's Sal Capaccio. Filling up right behind the Bills bench right now with their flags and their hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go Buffalo Channel. On WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. My guy, Sal Capaccio, joining me now here on the Western Hotline. The Bills take on the Washington football team tomorrow, week three matchup to try to get above 500 for the first time this year. Sal, good morning to you. Have you had a chance to watch any of this Ryder Cup action? I've been watching for the last uh, hour and a half, I'd say. Yeah, I've been uh, pretty dialed in on it. Have you, so you've had the ability to listen to the volume. Have you been hearing what's been going on with this Brooks Kepka danny Berger thing where their ball is in the only patch of tall grass in, like, the, in the only area? They were standing over that ball sale for like 15, 20 minutes. No, actually, that's when I was just leaving. Um, I saw the one earlier. Their ball was near, near an anthill, basically. Yes. And there was a, the official had to come out, and there was something going on with that where they had to kind of determine you know, how to do that. I have not heard the audio of what's going on with this particular situation, though. Yeah, Brooks uh, looks mad. He actually just hit an unbelievable shot. He finally hit the shot out of it, um, and he's on the green, but he's definitely mad. And there was there was a moment where Sergio was laughing so hard that he spit out his water. Like there's this has been sale through the first you know what thirty six hours of this event has just been as entertaining as golf is you're going to find like this every other year sale this is the event that if you're just trying to get into the game of golf or you're trying to watch the game of golf maybe you don't love you know sitting in front of your tv all weekend watching it for four days this is the event that gets you in the game man i just it's it's so fun to watch it is um you you know what what i find interesting is and i said to my wife earlier we were watching it together and i said i can't believe how like it's like a a football game when the other team has a you know, bad pass or a penalty, and everybody cheers, right? And all of a sudden, the European team misses a putt, and everybody goes crazy. It's totally against golf etiquette, right? Totally. But in this situation, it's okay because you're rooting for a side, essentially, right? That's what's really cool about this to me. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really entertaining. The only thing that I will tell you that it gets me is, like, I, I get, like, a bit confused. If you don't know exactly, you know, what's the format? You have yes. to kind of have to think about it. And I don't know exactly what the format is. Um, I know it once I look at it, but I, I don't know going in. I think they could do a better job of setting all that I agree. up and explaining it. I think if you're, a, if you're a golf fan, you know. Sure. But even now, like, I don't. what is tomorrow's format? I'm not even sure. I think it's individual play, right? Tomorrow is singles. That's right. So uh, morning yeah. rounds are foursomes, so it's uh, alternate shot, and then the afternoon rounds is essentially two-man best ball. But you're right. I, I was saying this to Jeff Metis, who I had on, like, it can be really difficult. Wow, who just hold that out? Holy cow, Paul Casey just hold it out from like 190 yards. Um, Sale. By the way, I just want to give the quote that Brooks Kepka said to the rules official. Quote: If I break my wrist, it's on effing both of you. Is what he said on live TV. Wow. So uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's been a dramatic. Little, uh, by the way, I, I don't know if you could tell because you're on the air. It's getting a little chippy. And one oh, of the it is. is um, some the, the Europeans, I guess, didn't give. Was it was it Speed maybe a a putt that was within the leather? Yep. And Speed kind of made a motion like, "Come on, what are you doing?" And I guess there was one yesterday like that. So it is getting a little bit tippy, I think, out there. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's let's do what we do best because you know we're golfers, sale, but let's let's not let's not you know let's not pretend we're uh, we're some kind of golfing experts here. Let's let's talk about what we're actually experts at, which is um, talking 
talking some football, and, and I'm interested in your overall thoughts of, I'm, I've almost, I, I don't know about you, Sal, Let, let's talk about this before we talk about the matchup, is I feel like, for me, I've sort of turned the page on saying the same things about Josh Allen over the last two weeks. It, it feels very redundant. I feel like I'm sort of saying the same things about his performance. I, I just... I don't know what to make of everyone being so hypercritical of the quarterback. Obviously, Sale, a lot of this comes from him getting paid this offseason. There's no doubt about that. But I just, we haven't seen anything over the first two weeks of the season this year, Sale, that we didn't see through a couple of stretches of last season, which, by the way, he had a runner-up MVP campaign, and he had two, really, I think, 10 quarters straight of this exact type of football right smack dab in the middle of the season last year and still went on to have an unbelievable season. I'm not ready to push the panic button yet, and I'm, I'm sort of ready to turn the page on the conversation on it. So I think the difference is last year when he had those stretches and you can go to Tennessee, Kansas City, mm-hmm. whatever, New England maybe, you had already seen the body of work that showed you, oh, well, you know, look, look where he was the first few weeks. He'll just skip back to it. We haven't seen that yet. And really, if you go back to the playoffs, he hasn't been particularly sharp. Now he's playing better defenses in the playoffs. But I think Bills fans just want to see it again because the start here hasn't shown us that. It's kind of just been the start has been just like that smack, you know, like in the middle, like you said. I don't, I don't get as much of a sense about being paid. Sure, that's out there. There's no doubt. And maybe he's even putting pressure on himself. Um, what I think, though, is that, you know, Josh and the offense are basically seeing every team's kind of um, best defense and something different, and they're trying to figure out the counter move to that now, and that's what's happening. So I agree. I'm not, you know, no, there should be no panic here or anything like that. But I do think the difference is people just want to see it happen again because mm. it just hasn't happened this year. And last year when it happened, you already had four weeks basically. In September, he was on fire and he threw throw for basically 350 yards a game. Sale, uh, our, our buddy Patrick Hammer messaged me this morning and said there there's a chance we see 30 to 35 mile per hour winds tomorrow, which doesn't really bode well for getting the passing game right in a stadium. We know the winds can really play a part in teams' passing games. Um, how much do you believe the weather could potentially affect the Bills' offense? And and if you were a betting man, which would you believe the weather affects more, the Bills' offense or Washington's? Well, I would think the Bills, because they want to spread it out. They want to throw it around. But, you know, I'm doing some research this morning for my, my preview article, and, you know, I tell you, you can run on this Washington defense, too. They're actually averaging all close to 4.5 yards a carry given up. Uh, they're in the bottom third in the league in that category. And what's really interesting is, and I'll have more on this later when I write about it or tweet about it, but it wasn't just Daniel Jones. They, they've struggled with mobile quarterbacks going to, back to last year. Jalen Hurts ran for a pair of touchdowns against them. Russell Wilson ran for over 50 yards against them. And I don't know if people realize this, but Josh is actually off to a, a better start running the ball. His rushing yards are better than they have been the last two years. Last year, or two years ago, he ran for over 500 yards. He averaged 31 yards a game. He's averaging like 38, 39 yards a game this year. I think this is a game where maybe, you know, even though it might affect the passing game, the Bills might be able to do some things in the run game. But I do think any time you have a, any wind like that, which is funny, you know, because Pat said yesterday, too, that it was going to be breezy and we're going to have some gusts, and that could be possible. I don't think we're going to be having, like, a full day of that kind of wind, but I think it's possible, you know, it's going to happen according to what he's saying. So I would think it would impact the Bills' passing game because Washington isn't going to rely on that. 
they're going to rely a lot to try and run the ball and then make some plays in the passing game. Sale, obviously with watching some of the videos from practice this week, I think it's pretty apparent that Gabriel Davis is still not totally right with that ankle. And, and, and if that is the case, if he's going to be sort of working through this ankle injury over the next several weeks until he's 100% healthy, how much more of Dawson Knox can you expect to see? And... I gotta say, Sale. You know, week one, he didn't have much of a presence. They they wanted to run it. They wanted to spread it out. They wanted to run a lot of four and five wide. But they made a conscious effort to get back to more eleven personnel looks and more tight end looks last week. And I think the offense looked better um, with Dawson Knox as a more featured part of it. What are your thoughts about his sort of growing role in this offense? As it seemed early on that just spreading it out with this offensive line doesn't maybe seem like the smartest move for this team. And he's also made a few nice catches. Agreed. Right? I mean, the knock has been the inconsistency. And, you know, Dawson Knox could make every great catch and fabulous catch and hard catch for eight weeks. If he drops an easy one in week nine, people are going to bring that up, right? And, like, here we go again. That's just the way it's going to be for him now until he, in, in, until he goes a whole season, I guess, without dropping a pass. But I really like his game. I think he, um, is a, he's got to be a bigger part of the passing game if they're going to be hobbled at, at wide receiver. But, you know, if Gabriel Davis still – he didn't have any targets last week. He still played. But that could also mean you just have, you know, Emmanuel Sanders on the field a little more. Maybe Jay Kumaro gets some run at wide receiver. It doesn't have to be. I don't think it's much about Knox replacing Davis. I think it's just what you just said, running more 11 personnel, yeah. uh, insulating Josh Allen a little bit more, giving him an ability to, um, you know, be clean in the pocket. Look, last week, Nate, they kept him clean in the pocket. The only time he was actually pressured was when he got out of the pocket mm-hmm. and he rolled out. That's when there was some pressure on him. But last week the, the offensive line did well, and I think that was partly because – they did keep a tight end in more often. Dawson Knox had his highest snap count of his career, by the way, over 80%. He was on the field. And they kept, they, they used running backs, right? I mean, they, Devin Singletary was on the field. They ran the ball a little bit better. I think that that's kind of more of the model that they want to have going forward, basically. How impressed were you last week with Devin Singletary? I mean, really early and often in that football game. And then you saw, I think, Zach Moss really bounce back in a big way from that early fumble. I, I almost worried after that fumble sale that. Zach Moss might be in real trouble to see the field again because those are just situations on top of the availability issues that he's had early in his career. He has had a couple of untimely fumbles, and we saw it last year, and we saw Devin Singletary get more touches because of it. But what a great bounce back from Moss. But I want to focus the attention here on Devin Singletary because this is a guy that – Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Brian Dable all talked about the work that he put in in the offseason. And you can talk all you want. We can hear the coaches. We can hear the player talk about the work that they put in. But until it really shows up, it's hard to really give that talk credence. I, it's hard for me to ignore it, though, Sale. Like, he looks like, a, like an improved football player. He has since uh, we saw him in OTAs and minicamp. His body, his body has changed a bit. The one thing I kept saying in OTAs and minicamp was he just seemed like he was hitting the hole a little bit more explosively. He wasn't worried about dancing back there. And mm-hmm. I think you saw that on that 46-yard touchdown run, right? He, he got to the second level. He's not going to run away from people. I mean, in fact, they caught up to him at the goal line. But if he can get into the second level, I mean, now, you know, he can make a guy miss in space, obviously. You know, he's also put the ball on the ground. He's had, That's like, right. three fumbles that have either counted or not counted. They've gone out of bounds or right as he's out of bounds. So he has to be careful of holding out of the football, right? We all know what happened last week with Zach Moss. His, um, his his aunt had passed away and had the funeral on Saturday. He tweeted about it. Sean McDermott referenced it on our Extra Point show when Joe and I interviewed him yesterday. I think that was something in his mind and conscious of. And, you know, I, I think Sean strikes the right balance of trying to handle those things. But, you know, when he fumbled, it was very noticeable to me. And I said, boy, he has not played since he fumbled. And suddenly 
he gets in the game and yep. has a nice short yards run and then has a couple nice touchdown runs, obviously, and he ran with a renewed purpose, I thought. So good for him. Hopefully that uh, gives him even more confidence going forward and his head is you know, clear of everything that he was dealing with last week. Uh, but there is still separation, Nate. Nate, I mean, Devin Singletary is the number one running back on this team. Mm-hmm. He is. And but But if you're a fantasy player, let's say, for example – I don't think you can go in and go, oh, Singletary, he's the guy, because you know you might get Moss or Allen getting the touchdowns at the goal line, right? right? You just don't know. Singletary's touchdowns almost have to come from outside the red zone if that's going to happen. So, But, but I, I, I like the way they ran the ball last week. Granted, most of the yards came in that first play, um, but they showed at least that they're willing to line up at 11 personnel, run the ball, and be effective at it. Sal, last thing I have for you is defensively, just how impressive was that performance last week? And I know... <sighs> I watched that offensive line, I rewatched the game a couple of times, and I really tried to just focus on the individual one-on-one battles on that offensive line from the Dolphins with the Bills' defensive line, and it was hard to find instances where the Bills simply did not dominate almost every one-on-one battle that they were presented. And I'm trying to keep in perspective that performance, watching A.J. Epinesa get nine pressures in one football game, and I'm trying to keep all that in perspective by saying and thinking to myself that that was one of the worst offensive line performances that I've ever seen. Um, But with that said, part of that performance has to be that the defensive line is playing at a really high level. It's not just that the Dolphins were bad. It's that the Dolphins were bad and the Bills were really good and really efficient, winning tons of one-on-one battles. How much can you take that – Or I guess the, the question I want to ask you is – how much should I? How much really should I give credit to this Bills defense? How much confidence should I have through four games where they're basically the best quarterback they're going to play is an aging Ben Roethlisberger, and maybe they'll they're going to play Davis Mills and Taylor Heineke and 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 Jacoby Brissett? And how much can I truly ju- judge the quality of play of this defense before they play? You know. The Chiefs, for instance, right? They're going to play in Week Five. Like that's going to be a notable step up from them. I know, Sale, that they can't control who they play. All they can control is how they play in those games. But how much can I really put into this defense's early success? Well, I think that you could put a lot into it. This is a this is a defense playing at an elite level right now. I mean, they really are. Uh, they're they're doing a lot of great things. And I think more than anything, they're just so well coached too, right? They have great players. I mean, they're playing great. I should say they have really really good players. They're all playing at a high level, but super well coached. I thought Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott dialed up a great game plan last week. They were on and everything. I mean, they went away from what they normally do last week. That's a sign of a really good defense when you could do that and you pitch a shutout, right? You think about, this is normally a zone defense. Last week they played man-to-man a lot. They got up in receiver spaces. They took away that first read of Tua and then boom, he goes to his second read and now here comes somebody screaming off the edge. Mm. Whether that's Taron Johnson, A.J. Epinesa, Micah Hyde, whoever it was, Greg Rousseau, they, they had a great game plan, and I think when that, all that is working, that's right. So the other part about A.J. Epinesa, it wasn't just that maybe he was beating his man and maybe he had a good matchup. The next-gen stats on his ball get-off right now are incredible. Right? Dude, I mean, he is Sal, an elite company right now. I, I struggle to figure out a way that, short of losing some weight, Sale, if you watch him at Iowa and you watch that game last week, you can't convince me that's the same person. Like, they that's look right. like completely different players. I mean, what a credit to this organization for saying, yeah. this player, right now, the guy we're drafting, 
this isn't the player you're going to see in a year and a half. And and I, and a lot of the credit, though, does go to AJ, Sal, because he has to buy into that. Like, it's easy for him to maybe come in and say, I'm an accomplished college football player. I'm a second-round pick in the NFL, and you want to do what? You want to change, really change what I am as a player and how I'm going to win at the next level? I The buy-in from him and the vision of the team, I, I'm just, I've been so impressed through the first couple of games. And, hey, Mario Addison yeah. sort of called this. He did, and those guys saw it, they knew, and I think I give a lot of credit to A.J., but you're right, the organization of player development is pretty incredible. And and look, you just said a lot of what I could have said, and I'll say the other part of it, which is, boy, if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you've got to be a little worried about all of this draft capital they had, and, and they had a chance in Austin Jackson and this offensive line, and they're no better. Right? No, they're, no they're better not. Over the last couple of years. And what are they going to do here? Now, as short of maybe trading for Deshaun Watson, which could happen, they're in a really bad spot, I think, with their quarterback and offensive line situation. So, you know, that's the other side of the coin uh, that you referenced earlier. So, yeah, that, that, but A.J. Epinesa, all the credit to him and the organization for him being this productive and looking the way he's looking uh, on the football field and, and his body, too, over the first two weeks. Thanks, Al. Appreciate you, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday afternoon, and uh, we'll be talking to you on pregame tomorrow morning. Okay, real quick before I go, what Shoot. were you doing 10 years ago today? Do you remember? Uh, Ten years ago today, I would have been 19 years old, probably sitting doing. on college campus doing doing nothing special. No, no, you were celebrating the Bills beating the Patriots, 34-31. Oh, I was at the game sale. Is this it was the f- ten years ago today? Today is the decade anniversary. Oh my gosh! Of the Bills beating the Patriots, thirty-four, thirty-one. The fit screen. Then Ralph Wilson Stadium. Um, Sale. I brought my then college roommate, who is not from Buffalo, had never been to a Bills game, and we sat in the suite next to OJ Simpson. And oh. during, excuse me. Yes, yes. Next to him. Okay. And then on top of that, Sale, my buddy looked to me because we were there after the game, and he said. There's why it's like there's grown men crying in the stands. This is week three or like whatever it was. I'm like yeah, I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah. it's hard to explain. It's worthy. Like these tears are worthy tears. Yeah, they go to wow. Kansas City. They blow them out. They yep. come home. They have that big comeback against Oakland, and then week three they beat uh, the Patriots. But anyway, just a talking point for your show. I figured I figured listeners might want to might want to know that today and, and be a little reflective. Yes, thank you, Sal. Appreciate that, buddy. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend.